0: This morning we're going to turn in the Word of God to Matthew chapter 14. Matthew chapter 14. And we're going to read just a few verses starting at verse 15. Matthew 14. And verse 15. And when it was evening, his disciples came to him, saying, This is a desert place, and the time is now past. Send the multitude away, that they may go into the villages and buy them victuals." But Jesus said unto them, They need not depart. Give ye them to eat. And they say unto him, We have here but five loaves and two fishes, He said, bring them hither to me. And he commanded the multitude to sit down in the grass and took the five loaves and two fishes. And looking up to heaven, he blessed and brake, and gave the loaves to his disciples and the disciples to the multitude. And they did all eat and were filled. And they took up of the fragments that remained twelve baskets full. And they that had eaten were about five thousand men beside women and children. May the Lord add his own blessing to the reading of his word for his name's sake. This morning I want us to think on the words that are found in verse 20, particularly the last part of that verse, And they took up of the fragments that remained 12 baskets full. I want us to think on that verse, that text, and consider the thought, God cannot waste. God cannot waste. Before we go any further, though, let's just ask the Lord to meet with us and speak to us. Our Father, now we pray that you will bless this time that we are in your word. We pray that you will allow it to be that which is used of the Spirit of God to speak to our hearts. Lord, truly, may we hear the shepherd's voice. May we be those who recognize that voice and swiftly arise to follow, to obey, and to enjoy his presence. Lord, I pray that you will help us to be a people who are ministered to by the word this day. Help me as thy servant, guide thought and word. We pray that you will direct all things to the glory of God, to the good of his people. We pray in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. It would seem that the verse that we have taken as our text is simply an indicator That what the Lord blesses will show itself in abundance well certainly that is a truth what God blesses always both meets the need and usually far and above meets the need who would have thought that five loaves of bread and two small fishes would have filled a multitude and then have so much left over but the moment doesn't just stop with such a general observation the scriptures say that they gathered the leftovers and that there were twelve baskets full of leftovers now, the point I want you to think with me is this. The food, blessed of Christ, was not just tossed aside, nor was it left to the discretion of those that ate, whether they wanted to fill their pockets with it or to do something else. The scriptures are careful to point out that the leftovers were gathered And just as careful to note how much. Our question this morning is why? Why? What difference does it make? Well, the answer may be wrapped up in the following thought. Sometimes a little picture displays a great meaning. Let me say this again. Sometimes a little picture displays a great meaning. By that I mean that we observe what often seems to be a mundane truth, but under that truth is an immense message. And those messages are often great foundational pillars to understand our God, his purposes, and his will. Now our text, though simple, displays such an immense truth about the Lord that it is hard to imagine any truth that is more important and more beneficial to understand. The truth that we see here is simply this. God cannot waste. God cannot waste. To put this truth another way, we can say that what God extends from himself cannot and will not ever fall to nothing. All that God does, all that he wills and purposes brings its intended end with nothing that proves superfluous or unnecessary as I was thinking on that thought I was hearing in my head the words to that song Jesus never fails Jesus never fails here twelve baskets were gathered this is no small matter what was done with the baskets we don't know and the will of God is to conceal that But it could not be wasted. How does this simple message affect what we think and know about our God and our standing with him? That is the question and the subject for our consideration. So my subject or my proposal to you this morning is this. God cannot... And will not allow anything that comes from him to fall to nothing. Now we will start with the most obvious and well known of the pillars that rest on this truth. And that is this. God cannot waste his word. God cannot waste his word. Now, I will say there are a few statements in Scripture that are as familiar as the words found in Isaiah 55, verses 10 and 11. For as the rain cometh down, and the snow from heaven, and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth, and maketh it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be. That goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void. But it shall accomplish that which I please. And it shall prosper in the thing whereunto I sent it. Now, I want you to understand that that point that's made in those scriptures is so immensely plain that it is impossible to miss. As the rain comes down from heaven and does what it is supposed to do without fail, and that is to water the earth, so the word of God comes and does what it is sent to do without fail. Now, couple this truth that I just mentioned with the thought that that the plainness of John chapter 1 also speaks of the Word and it actually identifies the Word. And it testifies then that the Lord Jesus, who is identified as the Word, does not fail in that mission given to Him of the Father. The Word must do what it is sent forth to do. You can relate that to the Lord Jesus. There. Is No waste Of the word We may also say it this way There are no meaningless Or frivolous utterances From the mouth of the Lord Everything that is spoken Will accomplish the purpose And will of God So here's a place Where it is impossible for God to waste He wastes no words they all serve him and fulfill his purpose well the question that we would ask ourselves is how does that apply to me the fact that God does not ever utter his words for nothing or for no successful reason how does that apply to me well I would say the answer is obvious. Whatever God says to you is to be believed. And by faith to be held as certain. Or ask the scripture questions, has he promised? Will he not do it? This is, again, something that the devil is going to try to convince you of. He's going to try to make you a, to think that God's word is something that may be true for you, but is not constant in its truthfulness to you. God cannot waste his word. You can rest on it. You can count on it. You can be certain on it. And even though everything in the world seems to speak against it, or that it cannot possibly be true, we say what Paul says in Romans 3, Let every man... Be a liar, but let God be true. Numbers chapter 23, verse 19 says, God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. He hath said, and shall he not do it? Or hath he spoken, and shall he not make it good? Well, there's the first thing. This little picture here, 12 baskets gathered together, Is simply preaching to you. If you will look at those. Think about those baskets. God cannot waste. And he doesn't waste his word. You can rely on that. Second. We see that God cannot waste. His grace. God cannot waste his grace. In theological terms. We call this truth. The efficacious grace of God. Simply put, it means that the grace of God works all his will. Let me say that again. The grace of God works all his will. His grace extended will do what must be done. He does not waste or extend himself or his grace or his mercies only to have them thwarted. And I say the picture that we have before us here in this Incident cannot be more to the point. The picture of bread and fishes speaks of that which feeds. It meets the need of men in their moment of need. Can we not perhaps hear echoing the scripture of Hebrews 4 and 16. Let us therefore obtain mercy. And find grace to help in time of need. These baskets speak of the fulfillment and of the truth of that. And I suggest to you that this picture. This truth. That God's grace cannot be wasted. Puts to rest the notions. If you even want to call them that the notions that the grace of God that is seen to work in the hearts and lives of man is of a neutral nature. In other words, it may or it may not do what we would hope it to do. And there are many who would say of the grace of God, what is the determiner of whether it works or not is the condition and cooperation of fallen man. If you cooperate with the grace of God, it'll do you good. If you don't, well... Then the grace of God falls to the ground. Let me just simply say this. Fallen man cooperates only with sin. He loves it and goes after it. Or as John says, he will not come to the light lest his deeds are approved. He doesn't cooperate. The grace of God does what God means for it to do in spite of man and his condition. Or may we say the grace of God, that effectual working of the Holy Spirit brings to fruition all that God wills. Nothing is ever left on the ground or goes for another purpose other than the Lord's purpose. Well, again, we would ask the question, well, how does that apply to me? And once again, I say the answer is obvious. If God extends his grace to you. Even to have you think on him. Or hear his word. He will not waste grace. But will certainly bring you the benefit of his grace. You can count on that. God does not waste his grace. Third. This, as we're saying, God cannot waste in all that he does, we'd have to also then apply it to this. God cannot waste his love. Again, the point and proof are simple. 1 John chapter 4, 19 says, We love him because he first loved us. There's the cause, there's the effect. There's the reason. There's the result. First John 4 and 19, 16 says, And we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love. And he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God. And God in him. The point is that the Lord's love was extended to us before we ever came to a point of loving him indeed again I emphasize his love is the cause of our love and his love does not fail to do its work of drawing or opening of the heart to him sometimes we in reform circles or actually probably more people who are not in reform circles speaking of us who are in reformed circles that we believe in irresistible grace Uh, I'm not going to even pick that one up but what I will say is I believe wholly in irresistible love that God's love is not that which is extended ever only to be wasted let me just transfer that thought to an incident I'm sure you're familiar with this from Matthew chapter 10 or excuse me Mark chapter 10 A young man comes to the Lord Jesus and it says there in Mark 10 and verse 21, Then Jesus, beholding him, loved him and said unto him, One thing thou lackest, go thy way, sell what thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come, take up the cross, and follow me. Well, the young man goes away sorrowful. We all know that, but my point to you is this. If the Lord Jesus loved him, that love was not wasted. I believe this young man at some point found himself at the foot of the cross believing on the Lord Jesus. Those that God loves even though they may be as unworthy as Jacob he brings to himself. Isn't it an amazing statement? Jacob have I loved! It's not so amazing to hear Esau have I hated. That part you'd understand. But to Jacob have I loved, how in the world? God's love is not wasted. Well again we ask the question, well, how does that apply to me? Again, the answer is obvious. Since God loves you, believer, will he not bring all things to you along with his son? Romans chapter eight. If he's given us his freely, give us all things. Well, my word to use then, rest in his love. Does God love? Yes. Can he waste it? No. No. Well, a fourth point I want to make you with you is this. God cannot waste his power. God cannot waste his power. The power of God was seen in the multiplying of the bread and fishes now God does not show his power to the end that the purpose of God is not fully accomplished. He showed, When the Lord shows his power, what God means to do is done. If that was not ca- the case, how would we ever say that he is truly God? He shows his power, it doesn't accomplish what he wants it to accomplish, Well, how then is he truly God? His power must do his will. When the Lord went to raise Lazarus, He commented to his disciples on the way that he was glad that he was not there to heal Lazarus. But that the power of God would be fully realized and so bring faith. There was a reason why the power of God was to be seen in raising Lazarus and it wasn't just to deliver Lazarus from the tomb. When the Lord was asked about the young man that was born blind, And whether he had sinned or his parents. The Lord said neither. The reason was that the power of God might be seen. To the end that you might believe. I stress to you this morning. That the Lord's power is never extraneous. It is for his purpose. And it accomplishes his will. Well we're going to ask our question again. How does that apply to me? Once Again. I say, the answer is obvious. Our hope is in all the power of God. His power does His will. We rest that God's power will be sufficient for all things that are needed. In our service, how are we to serve God? If we serve in our own strength and our own power, what happens? Well, the Lord tells us plainly in John 15, for without me, you can do nothing. But when we are able to see the power of God, we know that that which we do to serve Christ will be effectual. How about our praying? Indeed, if we keep it in our minds, the power of God cannot be wasted. That as we pray, and we call upon the promises of our God, that he would display his power, we know that the power of God will do what is the need of the moment well i've got a couple more quick things i'm going to point out first i want you to see me that also in addition to these the lord cannot waste his providences does the lord just allow things to happen as they might is it the to have things simply hit or miss? Well, let me simply say this. From the idea that God does not order all things after the counsel of his own will comes the notion that something other than God brings about the issues of life. From the belief that God may waste his providential care or that other things determine the outcomes of events come the heretical notions of luck and fate. Superstitions arise. Superstitions. The belief that something that is done or possessed determines the outcome of matters. Other than God. That is heresy. That is devilishness. Our God controls all things. He is sovereign in all things. He does not waste his providences. Rather, he orders all things such that they glorify him and sustain his people. I suggest to you very frankly that it was no happenstance that 12 baskets remained. The Lord had a use. And a purpose for them. There would be no waste. Well how does that. Thought apply to me. Again I say. We'll look at the obvious. Since God orders all things. We then. Can and ought. And must. Rest in the care. Of our God. Rest. In the care of God, he does not waste his providential dealings. And then I come to my last thought, and this thought could have been a much larger thought, but I will synthesize down, and maybe some other time take it up. God cannot waste his redemption. God cannot waste his redemption. On this point I will be brief. And as I said the point could be a series of messages by by itself. But the point is this. All that purposed and he did. Leaving nothing undone. He wasted nothing in the work of redemption again, here is the picture of the twelve baskets. Nothing is left behind. Nothing is left behind. I want you to think about this point with me in two ways. First, I want you to see that God does not waste his redemption, and I want you to think about the substance, the substance of redemption. God did not leave some part of this matter. Of redemption to anyone else but himself. He is the redeemer. Salvation is of the Lord. In all that he set out to do. He succeeded. Without a part left to add. Or a part left behind. In the substance of redemption. The essence of what it is. Our God cannot, does not and will never waste. I think you will see, as I read through the next couple of verses, this being shown. Isaiah chapter 42 verse one says, "Behold my servant, whom I hold, mine elect, in whom my soul delighteth. I have put my spirit upon him, and he shall bring forth from the Gentiles. He shall not cry nor lift up, nor cause his voice to be heard in the street. A bruising reed shall he not break, and the smoking flax shall he not quench. He shall bring forth judgment unto truth. He shall not fail, nor be discouraged judgment in the earth. And the isles shall wait for his law. The redeeming work of God is all in his hands. He does not have any part of it that is not perfectly accomplished but then that's the substance but i also want to apply this to the subjects the subjects of redemption i suggest that this simple little picture tells you and tells me that there's not one of the redeemed that will be lost there's not one of the redeemed that will be lost the lord jesus himself confirms this in his prayer in John 17 where he says "Well, while I was with them in the world I kept them in thy name those that thou gavest me I have kept and none of them is lost but the son of perdition that the scriptures might be fulfilled the Lord does not lose any of his own he doesn't lose any of his sheep they all know him they all follow him he gives his life for the sheep. He gives his life that they might have everlasting life. He does not fail. Again, how does And as I've said before, the answer is obvious. Since Christ cannot fail, you may rest in absolute confidence of being redeemed if you come to him. He will not fail. The little picture that we have here this morning has an immensely big truth. Not truth necessarily about you and me, but it's a truth about our God. And it's a truth that you and I can think on much in very the simplest of terms. My God cannot waste in anything that he is or does What's that mean to me? What's that preached to me? And we should meditate. The Spirit of God to minister to us at the points of our faithlessness and need. Twelve baskets remain and were full. Our God doesn't waste. Amen. Well, let's pray. Our Father and our God, now we pray that you will allow the word of God to do in us what you've sent it forth to do. Lord, we don't believe that this time is a waste. You've caused us to think upon yourself. Then do thy work within us, we pray. Do that rich work that conquers our old man and all the things that the devil would seek to do to deceive and to destroy. Lord, bless us now. Bless us as we go forth from this place. Keep us close to thy heart. We would pray in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen.